Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with one of the girls, George Lugo. George, thanks so much for joining me again as a co-host on the show. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it was always great to have you on. I'm getting very used to you being on with us. I think we're going to have to keep you. So, anyways, it's always fun to have you on the show. PK is still recovering, doing what she needs to do. So lots of prayers go back out to her. I hope she's feeling better. And my goodness, last week, I just want to tell everybody what happened. We tried and tried and tried to get the show to uh, go on the air, but there was something wrong at the blog talk end, and the board basically was collapsing. They said it was due to some kind of DOS attack. I don't know, but whatever it was, uh, we gave it our best shot, tried 10 million different ways to make it happen, but the board was just extremely unstable. It collapsed, and we were not able to do the show, and we had a great show planned, so we're going to get back to that show, but tonight, we have a very special guest who we love because we've had him on before, and he's amazing, and his name is Tomas. Trower. We're going to be talking about La Santa Muerte. We're going to bring him on in just a little while. But first, I wanted to just say we've got our candles on sale. So go to SupernaturalGirls.com if you want to pick up any candles for Halloween and any types of ceremonies you might want to do. We also have a workshop on November 16th with Itzhak Berry. He is a shaman who's going to be teaching candle reading from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., up here in Middlefield, Mass. So be sure to get in touch with me if you want to join the group. It'll be a lot of fun and very enlightening. And again, that's on November 16th. So make sure you get a hold of me. You can find me on the website, supernaturalgirls.com. So, Mr. Lugo, you are a very famous psychic medium. And I always like it when you can at least share one short story of a reading that you've done because your readings are fascinating so what's been happening lately oh <laughs> wow hmm i had a very tragic one the other day um not like want to hear Uh-oh. tragedy but but um yeah this one um, um lady who was a singer um been through like three different marriages all of them failed and there's all these things in her life that were just going wrong and everyone loved her. I mean, she was a very innocent type of person, real sweet, real pretty, too. Um, got in her car and put all her family pictures all over the dashboard and the seat and everything and blew her brains out. And, oh, um, no. uh, oh, and so the, the the family found her. She went to her high school of all places. I guess it was going to be her 45th high school reunion or something. So she went there and, and did it 
through the night at some point, and they found her the next day. But anyway, she came through, and her family flew out here to 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 see me, and I got to deliver a lot of messages from her to them. And uh, you know, and there it it turned out to be, I mean, it's still very very painful, but at least it, they know, you know, it settled down a lot to give it, to bring them some peace. So that's yeah, in a nutshell. But that, that needs, yeah. yeah, that needs closure when people decide to take their own lives like that. And often the family members are left feeling guilty, uh, shocked, and it's a very uncomfortable. So I'm glad yeah. you were there to help them. That's it's really yeah. good of you that you were able yeah, to Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like I, could smell, I could feel and smell the spray of the blood. And, and ah. it, ended up all over, um, it ended up all over their pictures. Of her family, oh, no. and and oh, uh, they were gosh. telling me, yeah, that's that was accurate that they found all of that. Yeah, that's the only thing. Oh, what my. I do sometimes it takes me there, and that's the hard part. You know, I don't necessarily. That is, how that, do you but, erase that out of your mind? I mean, that especially when it comes well, to well, because you know, there's always another one. Smell. that's tough. Oh, yeah, gosh. it it does affect me. It does, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I I uh, I feel these things deeply, and that's why I'm able to you know, release these thoughts and these feelings that come out. <clears throat> it, it's kind of hard on my body sometimes, you know. So I have to do a lot of uh, work on just grounding myself and taking care of it and understand what it is and that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. So that, was the, oh, boy. that was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So that was yesterday. That's a tough one. So anyway, yeah. Very tough to get over that. Well, please tell people how to get a hold of you because I always get that question. How can I get a hold of George for a reading? So give oh. me your website, oh, okay. please. All right. Well, you can go to georgelugo.com or you can go to crystalgatereadings.com, all lowercase, or you can go to georgia crystalgatereadings.com. And my phone number here is uh, 505. Eight one nine seven two four nine, and that's how you can get a hold of me. Oh, that's great, George. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing all of that. Thank you. Like I said, sure. I always, always get questions from people about how to find you in the world. And I, please, everybody know George is very booked up months ahead of time, but uh, he will get you in as soon as he can to his schedule. Yes. So don't be afraid to give him a call, and I promise he'll get back to you and get you in as soon as possible. So, That's my right. goodness. Now, we had Tomas on before, and he was fantastic, wasn't he? Great guest. Super, Absolutely. super smart. Oh, gosh. He just the way he wraps his mind around this knowledge, he's able to distill it for the rest of us. It's so appreciative. And tonight, we're, we're talking about a fascinating, fascinating relationship between people and La Santa Muerte. Now, Tomas... He has lived and worked in a lot of places all over the world, in Buenos Aires, in Chile, Tijuana, Reno, and now he's in Los Angeles. But he's fluent in English, French, and several dialects of Spanish. And while in South America, he worked for the French government as a cultural liaison between France, the United States, and the South American member states of Mercosur. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what it says. So anyways, uh, Tomas is here with us tonight because he's an expert and a personal devotee of La Santa Muerte, and we are very, very blessed to have him with us tonight. Tomas, welcome to the show. Hello. Good to be here. Oh, 
Great to have you. My goodness. You just have so much knowledge at your fingertips. And you're somebody who has experienced and continues to experience a very powerful relationship with this lady. So tell us how you got involved with it. I got involved with it on accident, actually. Um, I was living in Reno, and I had just moved back to Los Angeles. And, you know, you haven't seen your friends in some time, so I hung out with one of my, you know, shadier friends whom you don't ask what they do because then you'll be, you know, an accomplice. (laughs) You'll know things you shouldn't. So I was hanging around with this friend, and he's like, hey, sometimes I drive around at night. You know, you know, I just drive around at night, and I I see these strip malls in downtown L.A., and there's, there's, like, Midnight masses, candles, giant Grim Reaper statues. You're like into that stuff, right, Tomas? And I was like, of course I am. Uh, you, this is why we are best friends. And he's like, hey, I, I dare you to go into one. I dare you to go into one of those. And I'm just like, let's do it. And it began like wow. that. And so it was just this, it was just this weird, strange thing that I wanted to experience. And you know, dove headlong into it and never came out. <laughs> But the waters are warm and happy here, so it's a good thing. <laughs> I guess. Now, you, when you did this with this guy, you encountered a, a huge statue, right? You said it was pretty imposing. Oh, it was. It was. It went straight up to the ceiling, and it was. It took up a good like fourth or a third of a room, and you know it's dark, and you have all these candles around, and it's filled with people, and you just have this looming like grim reaper figure. It, it was. It was a sight unlike anything else. It was. It really grabs you in when you, when you see that. Oh, really, really. But you really were enamored with La Santa Muerte, right? I mean, you weren't afraid. You felt this was for no. you. I mean, I always, I've always liked that kind of stuff, which is why, like, my friend introduced me to it in the first place. You know, I've, I grew up in the golden age of, you know, kids' horror uh, Beetlejuice was a was a TV show on cartoons. You know, Tim Burton was at his creative peak. Signs of the Lambs and just swept the Oscars. So I grew up and was like subliminally influenced by all this morbid stuff happening in the media. So it was it was it was okay. It was okay. But now you've learned a lot about and you know a lot about how to work with La Santa Muerte and. Again, please explain this to all of us who are here, mostly in the United States, listening tonight. I mean, what is uh, what is this about? How does this work? What's, what kind of relationship can people expect to have with La Santa Muerte? And, you know, what can be accomplished? And I was reading your fabulous book, which I highly recommend to everybody, La Santa Muerte. It is called Unearthing the Magic and Mysticism. Of death, but there's spells in here that I didn't even expect to see, like love spells and things like that, legal magic. You have covered everything, uh, melting away debt, security prayer, lots of things. It's just a huge variety that you can petition for. So, so tell us more about this. How, how do you develop a relationship with the saint? The way I always say going about it is treat La Santa Muerte like a, like a friend. You know, you will have different relationships with different friends, and the more you put into a friendship, the more you'll get out of it. It could be just a business relationship where you ask for things and you do things in exchange for her, and she'll, you know, manifest or take away whatever it is that need be. 
Or, you know, you could have daily talks with her, and, you know, she could be your homegirl and just talk and have a loving relationship. She's the end-all, be-all for whatever mystical, magical, or just relationship-esque thing you're searching for. And it's, it encompasses everything, which is why it's so fascinating. It, it, different people have different pantheons, and they go to different saints, different gods, different deities for different things. But Santa Muerte is a one-stop shop, so it's, it's, it's efficient that way. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, very powerful thing. And where does the history start with her? Where does she come from? It's the worst answer. It's nobody really knows, but that's too much of a cop out <laughs> answer. So the okay. the best thing that we that we can kind of um come up with is that no one knows how long the exact Santa Muerte esque relationship is. Um, but people say it's back in colonial times. But it really started getting picked up in, like, the 90s, especially, like, the late 90s. So it's a fairly recent phenomenon. And it was just a bunch of people who worshipped her in secret. Because, you know, if, you, if you're worshipping a giant Grim Reaper statue, you're going to get looks. You'll get your lightning rod for controversy. No one wants that. So people did it secretly in their houses. But then there was this quesadilla vendor in Mexico City who, like, left her door open when she was selling her quesadillas, and everyone was looking into it, and she became that, oh, that's that lady with the Santa Muerte statue. And people just started coming to buy her quesadillas to pray to the statue. It became a huge thing, and it became more public, and it became this grand, street-clogging thing in Mexico City to where the public became aware of it because it was just so in their face with how many people were there. And then you realize out of the woodwork, oh, this is a big thing. This is a huge thing that's been underground for a long time. And then, the, you know, oh the news goodness. media gets a hold of it and sensationalism sells. What are these people worshiping death? Could they be in your neighborhood? They're coming for your babies. That everyone oh, knows no. about it, you know. And it's, <laughs> yeah, so then, then it booms up and you have the people who are very defensive and go on the media to defend it. You have the people that are talking against it and it just blows up. But... um. You know, there's no such thing as bad press, so it's it's really getting a lot of attention for her, good or bad. You, you know how death is. You can be a good person, you can be a bad person, rich, poor. Death doesn't care. No, it levels the playing field, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So that that's one way to think about this. Now, it's interesting because we in this culture think of death, the Grim Reaper, as a male figure. This is a feminine, a female figure. So did, was this started possibly in Mexico? I mean, was, does it have other roots maybe in South America, further down in South America? Mexico is the main place it is for it, and um, also Spain, like Europe, Spain. It, it has to do with oh. the culture and the language because in Spanish, you know, a thing is either masculine or feminine when you speak to it, el something or la something. It all has to be mm-hmm. a you know, linguistic lesson. It all has to do with the spelling of a word. Muerte is a feminine word. So whenever you speak of death in the Spanish language, you always say la muerte, and you refer to it in feminine terms. So whenever you speak of death okay. naturally, you speak of it as if it was a woman. Mm-hmm. So it already has those implications in there. But even in, like, the ancient Aztec society, there's, you know, the queen of the hellish underworld, um, whose name I cannot pronounce because it's, it's it's a very indigenous name that's very complicated for me to say. But okay. she's the she's the queen of yeah, she's the queen of 
essentially hell, hell. or the underworld, <laughs> it was this skeleton-like looking woman who was just, you feared her, but she was powerful, but she was also held dominion over like bones and like the remains, the physical remains. And that's how, you know, the Little Smartos started. It was a celebration of her and everyone dressed as skeletons to kind of represent themselves, the mortality, and also her sacred dominion over the bones. So you have this uh-huh. ancient Aztec history, you have the way you even speak of death, and so it just comes natural in Mexico to refer to death as a woman. Interesting. Now, in your book you talk about how we're all denying death, you're pretty much true. We don't embrace it as you find in the Mexican or South American cultures, right? So it's very different here than it is there. It is very different. I mean, you know, it's even going back to Dia de los Muertos, when you go to the cemetery and, you know, you have a, a picnic day and you celebrate your ancestors, you don't really have that. And, it, you know, there's a lot of reasons. And Mexican culture is very family-centric. So uh, there's larger families. The nucleus is more intact. And you have all these people, so you know who your great-grandparents are. You've probably seen them. And so that kind of ancestor worship and links to past generations and death, it's all that more common. Here there's less connection between the families, but also it's so um, capitalized here. I mean, death is a big, big business. I've been a part of it. Oh, yeah. It's a big business here in yes. the U.S., and That's it's right, bad for you, business. You worked in a mortuary, right. Yes, dealing yes. with the bodies and the families that come in. But yeah, Last time yeah, you were here, business. we learned so much about what was going on with embalming and how it's poisoning the earth, all those uh, chemicals leaking. I mean, you were just a wealth of information on things we had never thought about before. So you really helped raise our consciousness about it. But with, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. Of, yeah, you did. I mean, it's, it's important information. Nobody really talks about it here, but you brought it to our awareness. And also with La Santa Muerte, you had mentioned that she is the patron saint in the way of La Salva, people who are marginalized, people who don't feel like they fit in. And so there's a lot of people who feel they they do fit in with her. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's a sen- she's kind of like a substitute for God. Because if you grow mm-hmm. up, you know, a Mexican Catholic culture, if you don't fit into, you know, the machista, Catholic, very conservative way of thinking, um, you're an outsider. And if you're an outsider, you can't pray to God to help you. Like if you're, let's say you're a prostitute, you're not going to ask God to turn a couple tricks down the street and have a profitable night. God's not going to help you mm-hmm. with that. If you're, you know, LGBT plus, God's not going to help you find a lover because, you know, you are sinful. But death, mm-hmm. because like we said, death accepts everyone. There's no judgment. So you can go to death no matter who you are, what your petition is. And she'll help you because she is the epitome of non-judgmental forces. So she basically embraces all. And you have some stories in the book that are really interesting about the drug cartels. Can you share some of that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people, most, it got, in the United States, most people found out about La Santa Huerta through um, the TV show Breaking Bad, when these you know cartel members are praying to her to kill somebody, and a lot of a lot of devotees will say that's not true. She is love and light and happiness. Well, she's not. You know, she's death. She's everything. So, cartel mm-hmm. members, for the same reason, they can't pray to God to move you know planet across 
international lines. They can't pray to, like, have that cop shot. God's not going to help them with that. Death will. Right. Death doesn't judge. So <laughs> just for the, you know, benevolent things, you could do horrific, criminal, awful things, and death's not going to judge you. She'll help you. So everyone comes to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now is there a price to be paid? I mean, when somebody from a drug cartel, for example, asks for someone to be murdered or taken out or whatever, I mean, do they have to pay a price for that kind of request? Does death take something back from them? Oh, yes. There's always a price to be paid in this world. Um, It goes for everything you ask for. There There has to be this the best way it's a there has to be an exchange of energy. So whatever you want, you have to like give up something usually of equal or greater value. So and it doesn't have to be grand things. A lot of people give up, you know, their body. So they'll have a giant tattoo on their body if she fulfills a request. People will start making her altar public. Some people will do charity work. Some people will give up their vices and stop being an alcoholic. Whatever you see as equivalent to whatever you want, you have to give it up in exchange for the new energy that she's bringing into your life. And if you don't do it, that's when all the, you know, like the hauntings and the bad luck starts happening and your life just goes to put, you know? So you have to uphold it for the bargain because she will. Well, and so what's the payment if you ask for somebody to be whacked? I mean, what, I can't even imagine a payment for that. It's, it, it's all very, I like the black market-y. It's all, it's all negotiable. It's all whatever you say it mm-hmm. is. Because, you know, like for me, if I want something big, I'm not going to say I'm going to give up smoking. I don't smoke anyway, so that's not a big thing. If someone who's right. like needs, you know, 20 packs a day and that's how they breathe, that's a big thing. <laughs> so it all right. comes down to like personal what they need. But also what you want is also very subjective. You know, you could have very sociopathic people who – human life is not seen as that valuable. So to them, mm-hmm. the exchange is lower. Ah, so it's your own perception that decides what, what it's worth. It's your own perception and whatever you work out with La Santa Muerte. I mean, you don't just go do something and then, you know, say, okay, what do I have to pay back for this? No, it all has to be set up ahead of time. She's an efficient businesswoman, and she'll tell you, do this, don't do that, or whatever it is that may be. And then once you have that green light, Okay, deal's in place. You better hold up your end of the bargain. Now, how do people get these messages, Tomas? In meditation or during prayer to her? It, yeah, it's very intuitive. It's, um, it's like developing a friendship with someone. When you have a real strong friendship with, you know, your best friend, you can just kind of look at each other and you know what each other's thinking, or you can just feel what they're thinking. Um, it's that same right. way. The more you know her, you just kind of know, like, okay, I get this vibe, I get this sense. But until you get to that point, meditation is a great way, prayer, something to focus your mind and essentially train it to pick up on her vibes. Mm-hmm. So, again, I was surprised to see some of the spells. Some of the, I guess there's no limit to what you can ask La Santa Muerte for, right? So you can ask her for anything. You can ask her for, for good things. But the thing is, oh, yeah, with her, good things, good things mm-hmm. bad things. But what I saw in your book with her also is that there's no stopgap that says, and this is going to be for my higher good, right? 
So when you're praying yeah. to God, to God, you have that stopgap in there that says, and make this for my higher good, and then it'll happen or it won't based on if it's for your higher good or not, but not with this. It's true, and I'm really glad you're talking about that because <laughs> that, that's very important. <laughs> A lot of people think, I can get whatever I want. Okay, boom, they go headlong in a disaster. But it's true. You need – there's no stopgap, which makes it very dangerous but also very efficient. You know, you pray to God and they say, you know, unanswered prayers are is a blessing or a prayer in and of itself. Or a lot of magical right. systems have, you know, and let it harm none. It's not the market doesn't work that way. Whatever you want, you will get. If it comes back to bite you in the butt, if it's not for your highest good, it doesn't matter. You're going to get it. So you really have to be careful. <laughs> you really have to think about what you want and work it out ahead of time. Um so it's you can absolutely get it, but do you really want it? And can you so give you us some examples of this? Yeah. So give me some give us some examples here of people who have requested things and then got bitten in the butt by it and it wasn't quite what they thought it was going to be. Oh yes, I'll tell you the 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 grand story of it, the short version. But the biggest one that I've had the personal um way is my friend who helped um the La Santa Muerte book, you know, Unearth the Magic Mystery of Death, get translated into Polish. Um, this guy in Poland, fascinated, you know, big influencer, helped to get out into that country, and he started really getting into La Santa Muerte via talking with me and, you know, working on the book and the translation. And, you know, a year afterwards, he's like, I really, my life, I don't like what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm not happy in my love life. I feel something's off with my work. And he's like, I'm going to do a Santa Muerte spell. And I'm like, hold up. Do you really want this? And he's like, yes, I know. Yeah, it, she grants everything. And I'm like, mm, okay, okay. So mm-hmm. he does it. And his request is to just get his life better. He wants his relationship improved. He wants his work improved. Everything better. What happens is his life came crashing down all around him. He found out that Ooh. his wife, you know, was just, you know, essentially a gold digger who had a lover on the side and was just waiting till the lover got a better job and just using him for money. Um, his job, I think, let him go or some, something happened with his job and he was left in a very bad space and he came to me. And he's like, why did this happen? I asked for the Santa Marte to make my life better. And I'm like, and she is doing that. She is destroying your illusions of how you see life, you can't have a better relationship with this woman because there's no relationship there. It has to end for you to get a good one. This job that you're unhappy with, it has to end if you want a new one. So death is bringing the end to all your illusions, all the false ways you're seeing life. And he's like, but it's bad. I'm like, but it's what you wanted. You know, and it, was, yeah. it was really tough. And to end it, I found out that, you know, he took his own life. It took too much. It was it was not what he really thought it was going to be. And he killed himself that Christmas. How sad. So I mean, but again, you, it's like you tried to explain it to him and say, this is what you have to let go of in order to have something better. But he didn't, he just couldn't see that. He just wanted what he had to turn into something better. That wasn't possible. I mean, it sounds like things were very far gone with his, wife and also with his job situation so it was time for a change but he didn't see it that way so it's that's, that's true. extremely it's true. sad oh 
Wow, that is a very powerful ending here that's not very encouraging for people. I'm sure, again, you have to be careful what you are asking for. But I'll tell you what, we're going to hear other stories, too, where things came together in a better way. And also more about these spells and how people may want to work with La Santa Puerta themselves. So stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a very short commercial break, and we will be right back. There are a lot of psychics out there. How do you decide which one is right for you? You look for someone who empowers you, who's practical and spiritually connected, who says, here are your opportunities, here are your challenges, and here's a way to deal with them, and then gives you your own toolbox to make your life everything you want it to be. Hi, I'm Corby Mitleide, and that's how I work with you. As a certified professional tarot reader, I've helped thousands of people for over 40 years through my toolbox. Cards, past life retrieval, numerology, spirit guide conferences, and mediumship. Whether it's career, relationships, finances, or your spiritual road, together we can replace your confusion with clarity. And you'll probably find a little laughter along the way. Visit me at CorbyMitlide.com to find out how to cross your bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. And tell me you found me at Supernatural Girls for a special gift with your reading. Corby Mitlide, the practical psychic for catching your tomorrows today. Find me at CorbyMitlide.com. That's CorbyMitlide.com. Pure essential oil, specialized mineral, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients and easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, people have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. 
That's commandmiracles.com. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with one of the girls, my co-host, George Lugo. And we are here with a terrific guest tonight. It is Spooky October on Supernatural Girls Radio, and we are here with Kamas. And he has written a number of books, but tonight we are talking about La Santa Muerte. So, we just finished a story that was rather disturbing (laughs) about this poor man who did form a relationship, but things did not turn out the way he wanted them to. How about some accounts where things did work out? Um. The best one is actually with me and my really growing devotion to her is that I've always wanted to write when I was younger. Like it was what I wanted to do, you know, books, but I write, 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 and I send things out to agents and publishers, and I just couldn't break through. Just rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter. But, um, you know, so then I really got into La Santa Muerte devotion, and I was like, okay, I really want this, and I'm willing to pay a cost for it. So... You know, I, I talked with her. I said, I want to be an author. I want to get books out. That's what I want to do. And so I had the idea, or maybe it was inspired to me, to just put her in a book I was writing, a fiction book. God knows why I sent it to Llewellyn, but I did, probably out of desperation. Okay. I, didn't, 
I didn't know no one was accepting me, you know, and they don't accept fiction. I was like, what the hell? Let me do it. So I did it, and I get a rejection letter back from Llewellyn saying, we don't do fiction, but we've been looking for someone to write a La Santa Muerte book, and you have her as a main character in this book. Can you write a nonfiction book? And I was like, absolutely. I can absolutely do this. And was it non was it nonfiction? Yes. But it didn't matter. You know, she was giving me my chance to be an author and you know, surprise, surprise, it was about her. It became that book, La Santa Muerte, Unearthing the Magic and Mystery of Death, which, you know, became sold really well, which led to other books and other books, and now I'm doing it. And so it's really thanks to her. My yeah, so my dreams are coming yeah, true. Yeah, you have this great, yeah, great career as an author. And so she really helped you align with the right kind of subject matter to get it accepted and then have it lead into other books that you enjoyed writing. I'm sure you enjoyed writing this one, too. It's just wonderful. So, it's, so here's a good example of how she helped you realign yourself because you were going down the wrong road with this fiction thing. And it's very interesting to me that Llewellyn took the time to write back to you rather than just saying, rejected, go away, that they actually invited you to do this nonfiction book. They don't usually do that. They don't. It was really, I was very surprised. I was taken aback with it. I've never heard of anyone else they did it. So it was a very rare, unique case. But it also goes to show they have good people on their staff who read stuff. Uh, but Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it was an anomaly. Uh, well, he was, because I know them. I know a lot of the publishers, and that's how we get great guests like you on the show. But that is a very unusual communication that you received and how well it worked out. And clearly, it was La Santa Muerte behind it all. So you have a great relationship with her. That, there's no doubt about that. And, and things worked out extremely well. And what about with other people? Um, have you, do you have other stories you can share? Like, I'm wondering about health, because that's also in your book, that you can petition her for, for health. And I'm thinking, well, how can that go bad? I mean, if you're asking for, for better health, that you have something going on in your life, whether it's your heart or your back or whatever, you can petition her for help. So if people have success with that or, or not, I mean, has it turned against them? It is. Um, health is really something a lot of people go to La Santa Muerte for because, you know, when your health starts going, you start thinking about death. And so there's <laughs> a natural connection point. with her. <laughs> but uh, when, uh, the cases that I've heard and I, from people I know and can, like, trust their stories, it's a sense of just – it's really a sense of confronting death, which does help in the healing process. Because right? when, you, when you talk to death, when you talk to La Santa Muerte – you have to acknowledge mortality. You have to acknowledge death and your ephemeral existence. So in doing that, it does help you kind of just accept things. And you realize what's important, what's not important, what's been in your diet, have you been exercising, and you kind of reexamine your life, which goes a long way psychologically of helping you heal. But also you have the magic end of it, and, you know, she'll help you heal. So it's a whole holistic approach with her health because, you have to realize how precious it is and how it's not going to last. And that does wonders in and of itself. That is a great, great statement that you just made. It's so important. And, yeah, because I think, you know, and you mentioned this in your book. I said this earlier. We are a culture of deniers when it comes to death, and we keep looking for ways to stay young, Hey, especially in L.A. where you are, right? 
Um, everybody wants to look young, you know, act young, be young, and there isn't this realization of death. So I would imagine in LA, especially, death is extremely shocking to a lot of people, even though it is so much a part of our life. I mean, we nobody gets out alive. So if, this is a whole. This is again, you are raising our consciousness yet again, Tomas, about this whole <laughs> this whole thing. So. Also, you're talking about you get clear when you approach the Santa Muerte about a health issue. You get clear about what you're doing that's contributing to it. And you get clear about appreciating every minute of your life because it can be taken away at any minute. So there's a way that you also talk about this in your book about embracing death allows you to enjoy life that much more. So tell it, us it's about true. That. I like to call it, yeah, the tourist effect. Like here in Los Angeles, where I grew up, it's a magical town to a lot of people, you know, like, like life is. But I don't mm-hmm. really appreciate it to the fullest extent. If you're here as a tourist, you go and you see all the best things. You see Hollywood. You go to the Walk of Fame. You go to Beverly Hills. You walk down Rodeo. You go to the beach in Santa Monica Pier. Because you know you're not going to be there forever, you seek out and you do the best you can and enjoy every single minute of it. It's not going to last. I live here. I think it's going to last eternally. So I don't see that every day. My life is more mundane, you know, bills, post office, bank, because I think <laughs> it's going to last forever. But when you don't, when you realize that something's not going to be forever and you have a limited time and then it's experience, it becomes that much more magical and it becomes that much more focus with your senses and trying to remember every moment of it for nostalgia purposes. And that's the way life is too, whether you're traveling on vacation or whether you're on this vacation on this earth. It's it's just a sense of perception. Right. So it, it does expand that. It sounds like La Santa Muerte is available to help you expand your perception of life and death and, and you realize this finite time that we have here on this planet so all of that uh just is is very confrontive i think to to most of us here in the u.s but yet in mexico they have the day of the dead they have all these celebrations like you said picnics and graveyards i mean it's it's so very different than what we're used to it is i mean what we're used to now is very what we call traditional is not traditional i mean you go back to the victorian era And those gardens are set up for picnics, for places of beauty, for places to people to go. People were dying a lot more commonly at younger ages in the past. This sense of not seeing death or a dead body and not having to deal with it and paying people off to deal with it for you, it's not normal in the human experience. And so we develop weird mental gymnastics of how to go about compensating for this, and it ends up distorted and fear and horrors but if you deal with it head right. on and you rip that band-aid off it's going to hurt but it's it's better in the long run yes it is now what about you... go ahead i'm George. sorry go ahead well i was no, going to no, say once you, you establish what um once you establish this relationship with her um and things don't go quite the way you would like them to go, can you back out of it, or do you know too much and she always stays with you? Um, there's, no, there's no sense really backing out of it because it's not like joining a gang, you know, blood in, blood out. It's, right. uh, it's, it's a friendship. If you kind of just stop talking to each other 
and you stop dealing with each other. But because in order to have a relationship with her, you have to get this innate sense of your own mortality, that psychologically doesn't go away. So you're more perceptive of death or perceptive of things not lasting. And though she may not be in your daily day-to-day life, her lessons will always stay with you because you know things won't last and all things must pass. Right. Mm-hmm. So is she in your life every day? I mean, she is. I mean, I'm talking about her right now. She's a big part of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Now, what about with with young people? I mean, is there like an age limit? Can do children get drawn to her uh, to work with her in Mexico or even here in the United States? I mean, or is this more an adult type of relationship with La Santa Marta? I mean, with the devotees in Mexico, it's a lot, it, children are welcomed. It's a very U.S. sense for them not to be. Because even if you talk about death to children, they'll have all these questions. You know, where did Grandpa go? They'll go up to the, yeah. you know, at a funeral to the casket and poke like, oh, he feels different. And everyone's like, oh, you know, you're touching that body. <laughs> fear of yeah. a corpse and fear of death is a very adult thing. Children are very right. open to it. It's, it's the children whose parents have taught them, don't ask that question. He's just sleeping. This lie, that lie, don't talk about that. Those children don't get taught, you know, like sex education. You don't get taught it, and so you have to find it for yourself, and it becomes awkward and dangerous. But if you're taught from a young age how to deal with it, why not to fear it, and how it can help and hurt, they grow up as a natural thing. It's more natural in Mexico, so they're not afraid of it. There's no age limit based on what you mandate for your child. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, here's another question. It's going to be a strange one, but it is spooky <laughs> October. <laughs> Do people ever petition La Santa Muerte to bring somebody back from the dead? Oh. <laughs> um, I personally have not heard a story like that. Um, I would assume so, but I would usually it's not very common because La Santa Muerte is very involved in a Catholic sense. So a lot of her hardcore devotees are usually Catholic in some sort of sense. Mm-hmm. And in that understanding, you see that death is not this bad thing. I mean, you wanting someone to come back is essentially selfish. It's because you're hurting. Right. But this person's yeah. off to a, a quote-unquote better place. So if you really love this person, you wouldn't do that. You know, it wouldn't be like, right. oh, you're a millionaire. Why don't you give up all your millions of dollars and come live in the slums with me? I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't really ask yeah. that for someone you care about. So exactly. It's, it's a not a very common request. Okay. And what about when she appears? I mean, do people get to actually see her? And what do they see? What do they smell? I mean, I know a lot of the saints come with a certain scent, whether it's roses or, or something else. What about La Santa Muerte? It's it's really all what your natural gifts are. You know, some people have the sight. Some people can hear things better. Some things can just kinesthetically feel. Whatever your heightened senses are, she'll speak to you that way because it's the easiest, most direct way to reach you. So mm-hmm. it varies from person to person. It all depends on what you associate with death. Um, for me, whenever I have the scent of frankincense, that's a very sound and more sense for me. And that's because, you know, oh, working in the funeral okay. industry and in Catholic culture, frankincense is the incense that you do during your funeral that fills up a church. 
So the scent mm-hmm. of frankincense really, you know, associated death in my mind. So when I see it, I think of her. And it's just that instant right. connection that I have. But, yeah, she, if, if you always have does, roses at death, then it will be roses. Mm-hmm. Does she have a sense of humor? Uh, she does. <laughs> she does. She's a, She's like, she's that cool grandma where, you know, she'll have a cigar, she'll have a shot of whiskey. She'll just tell you straight up how it is, even if you're the problem. You know, she's very direct, very, very witty. And just, just being honest is a sense of humor in and of itself in a world that's very, just tiptoe around this and not talk about it. She's like, no, it's like this and you're the problem. You know, and it's it's very refreshingly funny to be told things directly. Yes. Wow. Yes. I was wondering about that with her. That is so interesting. Oh, my goodness. So what are some of the other petitions that you know about that people have done with her and had some level of success or some level of disaster? We love stories. So tell us some more <laughs> stories from us. Um, one of the biggest things she gets asked for is legal help. Um, because, again, the people who go to her are usually on the margins of society. So they're they're a lot more likely to be arrested, whether justly or unjustly, they're more likely to be arrested. Mm -hmm. And so Uh a lot of their family members kind of do a petition for them where they help them get out of jail or they help make sure that a ruling goes in their favor, whether they're innocent or not. They could be, you know, sure as hell 100% guilty, and they'll petition with something where they could get them out of it. Again, Mm -hmm. there's always a price to be paid, but... um, yeah, one one legal story that I heard from a friend of mine actually was um, he put, he got he got into some legal trouble, nothing super big, but legal trouble. He knew he was guilty, but he petitioned like, "Get me out of this, and I'll devote my body to you. I'll get a large tattoo on my back and on my arms so that I spread your message out." You know, a conversation starter. What is that? It's La Santa Muerte. Let me tell you about her, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Long story short. He gets out of, you know, acquittal, done, perfect, record clean, and he doesn't get the tattoo. And oh, all this no. bad stuff starts happening. He starts seeing police everywhere. He gets pulled over for, <laughs> you know, his taillight is out. Little things, like little run-ins with the law. The, you know, stores will beep when he walks out as if he stole something, even if he didn't. Like, just reminders. <laughs> and he did it, and it kept getting worse and worse, you know, and just... The, the severity of these instances started getting worse and worse. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, did you get that tattoo? And he's like, oh, man, I have to do that. I'm like, if you don't want to go back to jail. And he didn't get the tattoo and he went back to jail. Oh, no. I know, I know, I know. But, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. yeah don't don't use the system. Seriously. Wow. Yeah, he made well, an agreement and he broke it. Oh, I had well, mentioned earlier take kindly to that. Yeah. Some of these bands that I met in East L.A., these punk bands that uh, they had those tattoos on their arms, on their back, on their chest, you know, uh, posters of them in their rehearsal room. And, and I just thought, man, what is all this about? You know, just some pretty dark stuff. You know, nobody said anything, and I just kind of kept my mouth shut. You know, it would have been too much of a crash course, I guess. I wouldn't have understood, I don't think, at the time. So this has really helped me a lot <laughs> to understand. Yes. Yeah, it's important to understand this. She's very powerful, obviously, and but you got to keep your agreements with her, for sure. These are yeah. sacred 
things. When you say you're going to do something, it's sacred, and she expects that it'll be done, or the energy reverts. Now, as you mm-hmm. said something very interesting, Tomas, about uh, this, like this guy you just talked about and didn't keep his end of the bargain, but it was his family who petitioned for him. So with La Santa Muerte, you can actually petition for somebody else also. It doesn't have to be for you. You can. It could be for anything, whether getting someone out of legal binds, someone who needs help, help, someone who needs money help. You can kind of pray for them in a way, and you do an exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't hold I up see. your end of the bargain, I have I have not heard a story where that person doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, but it could revert back on that person or it could revert back on you. The reason I don't know is because usually if you're willing to go to Santa Muerte on behalf of someone else, you really want to help them, and you will do anything to help that person. So you usually keep your end of the bargain. It's usually when you want something for yourself, you don't keep up the end of the bargain. But, you know, when you have a family member in the hospital, when you have a family member facing charges, you know, in court, you really want to help them. So you make sure you hold up your end. And I haven't heard right. a case where there wasn't so far. <laughs> you yeah. Can you can. That is just amazing. And <clears throat> what a powerhouse she is. But nobody to trifle with. So you don't go to La Santa Muerte with anything but something you're serious about. And, and then you keep your agreements. But with um, what other kinds of things do people ask for? The the main three, you know, protection, love, and money. Everyone wants to be loved. Okay. Everyone wants to be rich. Everyone wants to feel safe. And th- those are the, the bread and butter of La Santa Muerte. And then in your book, you have a cartel story. Can you tell us that story? I don't recall the story off the top of my head, but I know there is a, oh, a good funny. cartel story in there. <laughs> Yes, you have you have a lot of good. This is a good reason for people to buy the book because it's fascinating. Now, what are some of the offerings, some of the plants that you use, or you know, candles? How, how do you approach a sense of with objects and things? What kinds of things do you use? So it's like giving a present to a friend. You know, it's you kind of give them what they would like, and you kind of ask them what they would like ahead of time. Not specifically, but you know if your friend is not going to eat something or they're allergic to something or they don't like something, you get that sense. And you get that sense through either talking with her or through trial and error. You know, if you put something on her altar and she doesn't like it, you'll know. Oh, you'll know. You'll just get this weird sense from the altar like, hmm, this needs to go. And then you put something else that she does like, and it it works. And it it varies from person to person because I know I have some friends who put up red wine for her. And on her altar, like, they get this bad vibe from it. Whenever I do red wine, huh. it, it's, it's love it. It's loving it. Like, I get these really good vibes from it. It all depends on your personal relationship with death and with her and what, what flies and what doesn't. But you'll know. You'll know. And if, it, wow. if you're ever in doubt, just ask. What about candles and things? Any particular colors of candles or types of candles? Or is that the same thing? It's all individual. Candles are a little different because of the the color power. There's a whole thing on La Santa Muerte's robes. Like there's usually black, red, and white. But there's also every mm-hmm. color of the spectrum, and each one has a different dominion of power. 
So yellow for wealth, green for legal magic, blue for knowledge, red for love, and so on. So you kind of get a candle that's colored in association of whatever you want to do with her. So if you want love magic, you want something lovey-dovey, you do the red candle. You want to get some income mm-hmm. going, you know, you do the yellow gold candle, and so on and so on. So it, it's very color-specific. But if you ever don't know, white's a good go-to. Black can be a good go-to, although it's heavier, but it, it's color-coded. Right. Okay, so the candles are a little different. And what about herbs? Are there any particular herbs that, that she likes? She really does like flowers, mostly. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of her offerings are usually very <clears throat> concrete, ephemeral things in and of itself. So people give her cans of beer, people give her liquor, people give her weed, people give her tobacco, people give her all sorts of, like, party stuff, fun stuff. It's, it's mm-hmm. usually not herb symbolic, but it's just, hey, you like your friend, you want to smoke? Hey, you want to drink? Uh-huh. It's kind of like that sense. It's more fun. <laughs> that flowers yeah, always more, seem to give her flowers are safe and good. Safe and, yeah, because I know That's with fairies, we've had people talking about with uh, with fairy magic that they don't like cut flowers. Don't put cut flowers oh. on the altar for fairies. But so it's fun asking because every everybody has their own their own way of wanting to be honored and wanting to celebrate a friendship. What else? What other kinds of things do you put on an altar? A lot of people, because it's death, they like to put up photos of you know loved ones who have died. So it becomes kind mm-hmm. of like an ancestor altar in a way. But mm-hmm. one thing you actually do not do is you do not put anything not related to Santa Muerte on the Santa Muerte's altar. I mean, a lot of a lot of like witchy people like to put all their deities on like one main altar and they put Santa Muerte there. Don't do that. She does not get along with others. Um, you oh. go to her alone. You don't include her in the spell. You don't include others in a spell with her. I mean, she's a one-on-one person. It all goes back to that. You know, when you face death, you're going to face it alone. Very personal. Oh. It's very you and her. So you keep her altar just for her, and when you do magical petitions, you feel just with her. You don't ask someone else to accompany you. You do not ask for others to help and pitch in. She can do it. Just ask her. Wow. That is fascinating. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad you shared that. <laughs> she doesn't play well with others because she doesn't need them. She's kind of the yeah. ultimate here. Now, money magic, you've got a whole chapter on that, which is fascinating in here in Chapter 9. Now, you have one for melting away debt, and in here you do have some, well, actually you have this throughout the book, some suggested tools. So you have, as you mentioned before, for money, the color aspect would be gold, the herb and scents would be berry and cinnamon. So more of the orange and red family. And it is. for it's minerals. Big. Yeah. Citrine and copper. So, yeah, tell us about that. Why is this important? A, a lot of people, when they go into Santa Muerte and they ask for money things, their immediate thought is green, you know, like the American money. But, you right. know, money's in green in other cultures. So, green is not really a sense of wealth or finances around the world. It's a very American thing. Um, universally, you know, we go back to ancient times, it was the wheat harvest, it was the harvest in general. It's gold. It's 
the universal international acceptance of what is wealth and what is power. Um, so when you do things with her that involve finances, it's very gold. It's very sun-like. It's very harvest-esque. And it's, it's all those warm colors of reds, golds, yellows. That's kind of the sunset palette, essentially. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds that way. It sounds comforting almost, you know, to be mm-hmm. wrapped in those beautiful colors. And and so, so like, how does this work? So you, I like this one that you wrote about because I know so many people have debt today. Melting away debt. So you do, there's a whole, I want to tell everybody, go buy this book because it's all spelled out in here. But then when you're done with the end of the ceremony, okay, you ask and say the candle's completely melted. You thank La Santa Muerte for helping to eliminate your death and that and know that everything will be all right. So you walk away with a very positive sense that this has been done. It, it's true. It's very, it's very important. It's important in a lot of magical traditions, but this one too, because if, if you're going to her for help, you have to know it's done. You have to trust that it is. Like any friendship, if you do dealings and then you have this uneasy feeling like, are they going to hold up their end of the bargain? It gets weird, and that's not really friendship. Um, mm-hmm. You have to just trust that it's handled and it's done, and you invoke the powers of death for it, so it's going to happen whether <laughs> whether you like it or not. Right. Now, let's say somebody does this melting away debt spell, which looks good, and what do they? What do people offer in return for this? So, so I know the other gentleman you talked about who was supposed to get the tattoo didn't. But what are other things that people bargain with that she might want in return for this? It, it depends on what you work out with her. But I've heard a lot of things from the tattoo is usually a very common one. But there's also action that you can do too, like because you're melting away debt. Um, you start giving more to charity because, you know, you are wealthy mm-hmm. and she opened, she did her end of the bargain. So you do charity. You give up some of your vices that you know you should. You try to change your life. You make some sort of change that if you had all this money, uh, whatever you want, it's coming in. you got a windfall of cash. You would be more generous with your money. You'd probably volunteer more because you'd have more free time. Doing things that you know will kind of invite it in. So, but mm-hmm. tattoos are always good because they're quick and easy, and a lot of a lot of people in the fringe of society are more likely to get a tattoo. So it yes, it's easier for yes. them. But if a tattoo is this big thing for you, then it's it'll be equivalent so long as it's equivalent in your mind. Mhm. I see. So, <clears throat> is there a particular group of charities that? people give to when they have their their wish come true with La Santa Muerte or it can be any charity? It can really be any charity you like. Um, a lot, a big popular one <laughs> that I know a lot of my friends who are involved in La Santa Muerte devotion, a lot of them go to helping um, battered women and helping, um, you know, working girls on the street. A lot of kind of rehabilitation mm-hmm. of helping the less fortunate in that way, mm-hmm. um, people who are maligned by society. So a lot of people give to, you know, LGBT groups, people who are, are on the outside, because as La Santa Muerte is helping you, you know, you poor unfortunate soul, so too you should be like her and help those who are poorer than you. Mm-hmm. A lot of yes. the maligned is really popular. That's interesting. 
And then I see you also have something on communion with the dead. Now, that's George, that's your specialty. But here is an actual uh, way of approaching La Santa Muerte about that. So what happens with this particular approach? Um, you'll have to refresh my memory just a little bit on that. There's a number yeah, of ways. Sure. I forget which well, way I put it in the book. Yeah, you start out with the tools, the color aspects are black and brown. So it sounds like you want stuff that's fairly grounded. The herbs and scents are camphors, chrysanthemum, licorice, and lily. The minerals are diamond, jet, and obsidian. And then you have people getting into a meditative state and in your heart space ask that you be able to commune with the spirit of the person who has passed away. And then the spirit will often take the form of how you knew him or her when they were here. So then you thank them, explain your reason for wanting to talk with them, and depending on the spirit, maybe you just want to talk with them, and that's enough. But then hopefully the spirit will agree and speak with you. So that's how you have it in here. Now, you also say something very important, I think. Um, And, George, you'll probably even agree with this in the way you approach it. It says, when the conversation begins to lag, do not try to revive it. Thank the spirit for your time and end the meditation, knowing that you can always return to your heart space and talk to them again. So, George, do you agree with that? It sounds like you would. Yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah, and you can't force, you know, like somebody wants to talk to their dad. You can't make that guy come in unless he wants to, you know. You can't force a soul to come to you. That's, that's a really bad way of doing it. You know, if they're around you, they'll show up. You know, just that right. simple. Right. But you're able to call them in because I've seen you do that too. Or you can just like, yeah. you know, like a well, dinner just, bell I that mean, you ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, but, but I don't demand them to. I just say, hey, if you're around. You know, most of this is in silence. You know, I just do it with my mind and, and uh, I just see what I get. And sometimes I'll get mm-hmm. a whole new souls that come in and they all seem to know each other. And sometimes when the soul doesn't show up that they want, I'll ask another soul to see if they can find them. You know, can you go find Uncle Frank, you know, and, uh, and see if he wants to come in. And lots of times that works. But... Just got to be real neutral and very open and just allow it to happen. You, know, you just can't make right. demands on them. So it mm-hmm. works out better that way. Anyway, that's how I do Yeah, so, so you can, that's great. So that, there you go. Now, the other thing that mm-hmm. I was fascinated with in your book is the chapter on hexes. Now, somebody told me, <laughs> and I was very surprised to hear this, <clears throat> Katrina Raspold, actually, is a bruja, said that some of the most vicious curses are in the Bible. I was like, what? Really? She's like, yeah, listen to this. <laughs> so she read some of them off. I was like, oh, my God. You know, so, you know, people who think cursing another person uh, is, you know, not in the it is in the Bible. And there's some pretty vicious curses thrown around in there. But you have a chapter on hexes. So how does that work? It's a very unique chapter on hexes. Um, it's essentially it's a, it it's even not it does not exist. And I the the quick version is I just say I'm not going to do this, but I say I'm not going to do mm-hmm. this, and that's the whole chapter really. <laughs> and okay. it, it, is so, it wrong? Is it wrong to hex people? I don't think so. I think some people need to be hexed, 
But, you know, this is my first book coming out, and I didn't, you know, and it's going to be mass, you know, it's the first thing it's going to hit the big time. I think, oh, no, all these people are going to read it and get these awful powers. There's going to be a lot of bad people reading this. I don't want them to have the power. You know, so it was all about, you know, very first publishing fears. And so I was like, yeah. look, it exists. It's a big thing. If you really want to hex someone, look online how to do it. There's infinite resources, but you're not going to get it here. You're not going to get it from me. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right. But people do it. And so they must petition La Santa Muerte for help with this one. I mean, you don't need to give away any secrets on it, but I would imagine there's a lot of people that go to her and say, How about hexing this person? They pissed me off. It's true. I mean, hexes are really big with her and it's and you have to look at the psychology of the people who follow her. I mean, if you if you are accepted by normal, you know, quote unquote normal society why set yourself up to all the ridicule that comes with worshiping death? Why set yourself up to all that when you can go to God in the Mexican Catholic sense and be accepted? Um, so mm-hmm. a lot of people who are on the fringe of society have been beat down, have been pushed down economically, socially, and now they have this fountain of infinite power to do anything they want. A lot of revenge <laughs> comes to mind. You know, like now I have the power. Ooh. Everyone who's put me down will get theirs now. Do this, something worth they Hex, hex, hex. And they go hex crazy because they've been beat yeah. down so much, and now they have the power. So it's very Ooh. popular. It's very popular. Justified well, or not, it's very popular. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would imagine if uh, you can hex by somebody who's working with La Santa Muerte, it's not an easy one to break. No, it's it's definitely not. And usually the cost is, it's usually pretty big. You're not just going to, you know, give up soda for 40 days like it's lunch or something. Like, you got to do something. you got to do something. And it best be worth do it. Do something big. What, what do you do for that kind of thing? And what's the payment? It's, yeah, I'm sure you're right. It's got to be hefty. What is it? Give us some examples. It's got to be bigger there, there, than I mean, there... a tattoo. Oh, God, much bigger than a tattoo. Um, what a lot some people do is, you know, and it could be quote unquote beneficial. Is like let's let's say there's a cartel, and their big thing is they know there's going to be trouble. So in the in the inevitable shootout that's going to happen, you want all all the cops, all the police dead, and you want all your people mm-hmm. surviving. That's the petition, okay? Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. happens. Now with this, all the money you've made on the product move, you're going to donate thirty percent of that to orphans, widows, charities to help people. Oh, it took okay. a lot of manpower. It took a lot of death to get that across, and it cost you a lot. So it's going to financially cost you a, a large portion of that profit. I've heard that be done. You know, I've heard mm. there's, there's lots of stories, lots of stories. But a lot of the stories involve kind of like washing the hands away of blood, usually doing mm-hmm. something for someone else um, because you know you've hurt someone else. So it's it's not right. personal, but it usually involves helping others. Mhm. Okay. Yeah, and thirty percent—that's a hefty percentage. So I can see where that that would be offered. That's fascinating. Now you you also talk about the cloak of invisibility. So shades of Harry Potter. What is that? That that's what I use. You know, it's it's not so much invisibility, but it is being seen by things. Like let's say. Let's say you need to walk out at night in a bad area, and you have to do it. Like, there's no way around it. Um, you kind of invoke her her cloak, her mantle, her shawl, to just 
make you unseen to people who are looking for trouble. So you're not invisible. Oh. It's like, poof, you disappear and security cameras can't see you. It's the sense that mm-hmm. if someone is looking to do some bad stuff, it's like you don't exist. You're just this face in the crowd that they're not going to target. So oh, it doesn't make you invisible, one. but it makes you invisible to harm. I use that every day mm-hmm. when you're doing some, you know, going to some bad areas or you just feel generally unsafe. But then again, you don't want to use that in a car. You know, you don't want to be invisible on the road. So you have to be very specific of when you don't want to be seen. Otherwise, you'll be in a car crash and no one will see you. And yeah, that's no one puts good. on the brakes in time. <laughs> so you got to use it when you got to use it smartly. So you got some common sense here. And so for, for the tools, you suggest the color, obviously black. And the herbs and scents, a cactus, frankincense, nettle, and the mineral is jet and tourmaline. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. You have to think all of this through. It seems like again without the stopgap in there, with whatever you petition for, you really have to take responsibility and think the whole thing through. Just like this, this thing you just shared about the car. Like yeah, you don't want to be invisible in your car because it'll hit you. And take you out without seeing you. So that's not a good idea. But you really have to think about this. You know, I was going to say that uh, some of these souls that come through, sometimes they're cloaking a, a, a family member or a loved one. They said they're cloaking you from danger. They're, they're, uh, they're making you invisible to danger. And I thought that was always interesting to me, how they would say that, you know, for a loved one. Cloaking. That's still here. Yeah. You know, they're making them invisible to danger. So I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's right. And now you have something similar here that's called neutralizing sphere. So it's avoiding conflict in the world by avoiding the world. So how does this one work? Um, it works by just kind of, because a lot of people, their first interaction is that, is that famous mirror shield where if someone sends some bad energy to me or just accidentally boom, it'll ricochet and hit you or hit someone else. Eh, I, don't, I don't really like that. I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't really like that. I like more of right. neutralizing things. So you create this sphere around you that it could be however you imagine neutralizing, a bunch of smoke, like really inverted mirrors, however you want to see it. But so if any energy like comes into your periphery or in your space, it kind of just fizzles out essentially and becomes non-existent. It doesn't help you. It doesn't hurt you. It just kind of lets you go on with your life and do your own things and not be bothered by, you know, all the mess that everyone else is vibing out everywhere. So it's just you focusing on you. Yeah, well, that's very helpful. I mean, that's a, that's a really good thing to have. And I would imagine, I mean, again, you're in L.A., so you have this <laughs> a, a highly conflicted area. I mean, there's lots going on there, lots of people. And people living close together, it's, uh, I would imagine that you would use some of these things on a daily basis. It, it's true. There's so much weird dichotomy energy out here. I mean, you have the most expensive houses in the world right next door to all these slums. You have people with high hopes living in poverty. You have people living in top of the Hollywood Hills who are unhappy. I mean, it's all these weird conflicting energies that are all around all the time and you're just like ah, ah, ah. you know you'll be consumed by it sometimes you just have yeah. to ignore it and just get on and keep on keeping on 
Yeah, because I imagine you're quite sensitive and intuitive and psychic yourself, so you would feel all of this pretty intensely. So some of these things that you're talking about in this book would be very helpful to anybody living in L.A. that has your level of sensitivity. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes you just got to block it block it out. (laughs) Stop it already, you people. Now, you also have something called slashing self-sabotage. Now, we all do that. We all do the self-sabotage deal. Um, It's so... It's like a piece of software that just keeps running for a lot of folks. So tell us about this. How do you use this one? This this one I use a lot because your biggest saboteur is usually yourself. Um, even if other people are involved, somehow I think you are your biggest enemy in the long run. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. whenever you think a thought and thoughts manifest into things, you kind of catch it. You clip it in the bud right before it manifests out into the universe. So if you think of something bad, like let's say I want to go in my car and I want to drive somewhere, and all I can think of is, oh, I don't want to get in an accident, and I start imagining myself in an accident, who do I call, pre-preparing for an emergency, and just thinking all these bad things before I've even left the driveway, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you just – I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I have that kind of mind too. So <laughs> I'm not laughing at right. you. I'm laughing at myself. It, 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 it's a fact of life, and so I like to be pre-prepared for everything, and I envision the worst so I can be ready for it. But it's not really that helpful. I know I can get through it if something happens. But, yeah, I start thinking those things in my mind, and I think, okay, wait, do I really want this image that I'm projecting out to really manifest and really become true in my life? And I think, no, I don't want that. So what I'll do is, you know, I've facilitated to make it quicker for myself, but I get, have this trigger that gets me in a meditational mind state that I use. And then I imagine La Santa Muerte and her, you know, iconic scythe. You still frame the image that I'm thinking of, and it, she just slashes it, cuts it, and that image is no more. She eventually killed it. So it can't go on and manifest oh. into my life. And I know it's gone. She handled it. It's been touched by death. That's not going to happen. And I start thinking of more positive things like, oh, I reached my destination safely. And it's a parking spot right next to the store. You know, all the good things. But, yeah, if I yeah. if I see something that's bad for me, I take a mental snapshot, her scythe, and she just comes in and slashes it, and it's gone. Wow. That's awesome. I like that. Now, what is a water transference cell? What is that? I couldn't hear you. you talk about it. Oh, yeah, I know. George, your phone's getting a lot of feedback. I'm just going to put you on mute for a minute here. Um, okay. Water transference spell. The most important kind of healing work we can do is prevention. Mm-hmm. So you talk about that in terms of the tools are water in a transparent glass. The color aspect is rainbow and white. And the scents are camphor, chrysanthemum, cocoa leaves, licorice, nagchampa, palo santa, and yerba mate. And then you assemble these things in your altar, go into a meditative state. Surround your glass of water with a circle of any suggested tools you desire to add to the spell. You meditate on each tool and feel their energy absorbed by the water. Feel the presence of La Santa Muerte, commune with her, and ask her to bless the water to be a conduit of her energies. And then you drink the water. So this is really a nice kind of an offering in a way, right? And then you feel the water being absorbed in your body and you leave the empty glass as a reminder 
of the emptiness of the altar now, and that La Santa Muerte resides in you. So it's a way of taking in that energy. Is that what that is? It is, because you know when you're really thirsty and you take that, you know, a glass of water, you can feel that water kind of like rush through you and you feel yourself hydrate. It's that same way mm-hmm. that reaching every every cell in your body. But a lot of people have a hard uh-huh. time imagining healing. So if you put the magic in water and you can physically feel the water and you know the magic is in that water, you can feel the magic. So it really does help let you feel and know that the healing is taking place. And then you see mm-hmm. the empty glass and you know, oh, Santa Muerte is in me. The magic is working and it's happening. And it's just that good reminder of, again, it's already done. Forget about it. Right, right. It's done. And somebody just texted in a question. Does Santa Muerte, uh, does she claim somebody's life if they don't do their end of the bargain and they've asked for something really big? Does she take them? Is that something that's happened sometimes? I've never heard it happen directly to anyone I know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. I mean, she'll come for you when she comes for you. Can you expedite that by kind of like getting her upset and disrespecting her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a possibility. (laughs) Yeah. But is it also a possibility that she wants them? Yeah, but if if you assume death is like this release and there's like heaven on the other side, do you really deserve that? Do you deserve to be toyed around Mm -hmm. a little more and have hell on earth come to you and suffer more? So death isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. Certainly a lot of hell can exist now, and that can be bring about most cases I've heard is your life becomes a hell rather than really? you go off to heaven. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the guy that didn't get the tattoo, he ends up going back to prison. After all the hard work yeah. his family did to try to get him acquitted, which he was, he ends up back there. And <clears throat> yeah. Well, this is just amazing. I, you know so much about this saint and, and her power, and, and you're obviously close friends with her. Now, is this somebody also that just saying, do you see her in your dreams? I don't really see her in my dreams. If I do, I don't remember those dreams. But um, Mm -hmm. it's like I see her every day. You know, I have my altar. I work with her. So if life is a dream, you know, then I see her every day. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. But she doesn't just like walk into your dreams and have a conversation with you. Like an oversoul no, or something I, like that. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, but I think it's because she doesn't need to, because I can do it and I do do it in my waking state. It's not like she needs to subvert my consciousness to enter me in a dream to like, hey, 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 pay attention to me. I have something to say. No, we talk every day. So it's like, oh, okay. I'll just call him tomorrow. Right. And what about prophecy? Does she provide her devotees with prophecy? Like, hey, heads up this is coming your way or anything like that? Oh, yeah. You get a lot You get a lot of signals or just senses, and they could be very mundane. Like, again, you're driving down the street, and you just get this urge to not take the normal route that you do to go to work or wherever you want to be. You just take this – just turn right this time. Take this street, and you just get this sense. Now, would there be a horrific accident? Would you just be late if you went forward? Would nothing happen? Who knows, but you'll never know because you followed her advice and went the other way. You just get these nudges to kind of like do something or don't do that. And it, it's unexplained. You just you just feel it. And you're like, mm, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't do that. Let me do this instead. And you begin to trust it. 
and the more you trust it, nothing happens. But then that's the magic of it because nothing bad happens. And your life exactly. continues to be kind of mundane, which is a blessing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So she does provide insight as to what's around the corner, literally. And you're able to listen to her, follow her advice. It keeps you safe, keeps you out of trouble. So so all of that is good. She, she's just amazing. I mean, I, I never knew much about her at all. I just knew I've seen statues. But I didn't know the deeper meaning and the relationship that you can have with her. And it's and you're saying in your book, too, that people are turning to her more and more. So she's becoming very, very popular with people, even here in the United States. Oh, yeah. I mean, her her growth is rising really quickly. I think in, in Mexico and a lot of Latin American countries, she's the fastest growing, quote, unquote, religion. So much so that the Pope wow. had to come out and say, stop it. Stop it, you know, because it's, it's oh, so really? huge. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's an officially, it's evil, it's infernal, it's the worship of death and therefore the devil, you know, everything they usually say. But the fact that they had to come out and make essentially a press release of saying don't do this, you know, people are doing yeah. a lot of it if they have to say stop it. So oh, it's, for sure. it's coming out really big, but it's, it's again, it's, it's the scary element of her that people are attracted to because if you're beat down by society, you're a misfit, you know, there's nowhere to turn to. You want a deity. You want an entity who is badass, who takes no, you know, poo, does everything for you and can get you whatever you want. You want the most powerful figure ever. And what's more powerful than death? So a lot yeah. of people want the biggest, baddest bodyguard on their side and they go to her. And they start seeing that things do happen. Again, no safety guards, so things happen, whether it's good or bad. But they see results. And when you see results, you're a lifelong believer. Absolutely. Now, you work with her, and you've been very specific that when you petition her, you do not include anybody else. She's it. But in your magical practice, is there, are there other saints that you or other entities, deities that you work with? Aside from La Santa Muerte. I do. I have one, maybe just one in particular. Because um, really, Santa Muerte is a real good end-all, be-all, because she does everything. And she's like your best friend. Mm-hmm. You know, you always want to hang out with her. But I do have <laughs> another one. And um, that is um, from the Greek pantheon, Ares, the god of war. Oh. And I know, right? It's, it's A lot of people go, hmm, that one. No, yes, that could be that very one. valuable. It is, and it's for me because, you know, when you start when you start becoming more like, you know, a public figure and you have to talk and things be taken seriously, you know, I wanted that extra sense of the warrior spirit because usually I'm very Libra-esque. You know, I'm very like, let me balance this out. Oh, I see all sides yeah, of right. right. <laughs> and, there, the and there are times when I need even. to just be like, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. And I need to have like a more martial aspect to myself to be a leader and be, you know, forceful into it. I don't always need to be intellectually in my head or balancing things. I just need to lead the charge and, like, go into battle and say, I'm going to win this. And good so it really is a real good counterbalance to how I naturally am. So it's the lessons mm-hmm. I learned from him that really helped me. I think that's wonderful. I mean, that that is a very important lesson. And I think it's great to have some help like that. 
along the way. And what a great deity to, to turn to. That's wonderful. I kind of like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> You're all set, Tomas. You are well, well taken care of on all sides. What's your next book going to be about? Um, next book is just starting in the works, so I don't like to talk about it till it's done. Okay. Because if I talk to come about back it, the less energy I feel to write it. Yeah. Um, okay. It's, it's like this compression thing. It's like all the steam builds up. I need to release it somehow, so I'm going to release it through writing it, and then I finally get yeah. done. But right now, I'm really into the morbid magic. You know, that just got released, so really just pushing that one. You know, talks, interviews. You know, it's a newborn baby. It needs to be taken care of. It, it needs extra attention yeah. right now. So it is. It's really morbid magic well, again, mode right now. You're a great writer, and we so appreciate you coming on the show again to talk about this, this great saying, Las Santa Muerte. And again, everybody, you guys need to go get this book because it's just the coolest book. La Santa Muerte, Unearthing the Magic and Mysticism of Death. And it's so much more than that. Tomas, you're a great writer, and we look forward to your very next book, and we're going to have you right back on the show again. So thanks again for for your time tonight. And everybody, we will be back next week. We made it on the air tonight. Hooray. We'll be back next week. God and goddess willing. And we're going to have another great show. But until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night, Thomas. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl.